If you could learn one new thing in your life right now, what would it be? If you could learn one new thing in your life right now, what would it be? And what would have to take place for you to learn that? What would be required for you to be in a place to learn that? Well, it's an interesting thing when you think about teachability and you think about this idea of being a lifelong learner. When you think about being in a relationship with the God of the universe who holds all knowledge and wisdom that by a word he spoke into existence all that you see and yourself. By his word, he keeps the universe in perfect balance and this globe amongst the planets and the universe is spinning perfectly and giving you life and cares about you. That he has all that knowledge and wisdom. And like we've been learning in this series, he wants to share it with us. And he's got enough to share. <laughs> and we have a need for a lot, right? But there's something about learning that isn't always easy. There's something about teachability in our life that's a challenge. And so we're going to talk about that from the Proverbs today. What does God want to show you and me about having a teachable heart? If we're teachable, some people say it's one of the greatest character qualities in living is to be teachable. Because if you're teachable, you'll always be making progress. And if you're teachable before God, you're always going to be growing in his wisdom. So let's look at what it means to be teachable I have a little example that's pretty recent. Last week I was gone and um, enjoying some time with my daughter and her husband, Blake, and he wanted to treat me to this, uh, this golf course, 18 holes on PGA West, the stadium course, and if you know anything about that, um, it's a really hard course. I had no business being out there, but, um, and they played part of the PGA Tour on this course just a little while ago, and uh, it was really a blast. It was so much fun, and I remember on one particular hole, uh, I hit, this was on par three, I hit a shot within about, uh, oh, I don't know, three feet of the pin. You, you would have thought you were watching a PGA event, okay? You would, have, you would have thought, and I actually made the birdie putt. And I'm like, I birdied a hole at PGA West, the stadium course. I actually did it. And the next hole, I got a nine. <laughs> But the next hole, I got another birdie. It was incredible. And then three holes later, I got another nine. <laughs> okay, so that was my day. I lost to Blake by a couple strokes, and it was a big deal and all this stuff. But no, I just realized if I can use this simple analogy to talk about that life is like golf. It's like golf is only fun if you're willing to kind of learn as you go. If you're always willing to learn, because always, you always can be better. Just There's always a lesson. You're always in some different kind of sand trap or behind some tree or in the water. In one of those nines, of course, I was in the water. But the, the question is, will you keep learning and trying? Some people just give up and they say, golf is not worth it. <laughs> Too expensive, takes a long time, and so on. But there's something to the beauty of golf where if you're a learner out there, it just becomes more and more fun. And I would suggest if you're interested in golf, take lessons. Don't attempt it on your own, <laughs> okay? And it's funny how so many people will give up before they've ever had a lesson or they want to play without getting lessons. Do you know that every PGA professional has a coach 
and they spend hours and hours and hours every week, every month with their coach. They take video of them swinging from every different angle. They work on their putting with all these different skills and uh, different training techniques. The guys who are the best in the world have coaches that literally are trying to tweak this and tweak that, continue to improve their game because golf is very, very hard. It's very competitive. When you think about life, do you think about being teachable like that? That every day I need the coach, <laughs> I need the God of the universe to whisper wisdom in my ear. I need to get downloads from his word about how I'm supposed to be a dad, how I'm supposed to be a God-honoring spouse, how I'm supposed to represent him well at work and have integrity, how I'm supposed to be able to give patience and compassion and forgiveness, and I struggle with that, or I whatever. And Do you realize that we need to be teachable like that? Well, there's something about our pride that gets in the way. But this morning, I think we're going to see how it makes so much sense and is the wisest thing we could do is to have a teachable heart before God and more and more and more and more until he returns for us. A more teachable heart next week than you are right now. And in a year, more teachable, more humble, more teachable, more humble. So that's where we're going. Grab your Bibles. We're going to open up to Proverbs chapter 16. Um, and a number of other places as well, and you'll see these verses on the screen. But the first thing I want to say is that teachable people need to fight their pride. Teachable people have to fight their pride. Do you realize how proud you are? Do you realize that? Some of you are humble enough to not. (laughs) Pride goes very, very deep in our heart, very deep in our life. And sometimes we think it's actually a good thing. It's good to feel superior to others or like we've really accomplished something, that we're successful and more successful than others, that we're smarter, more smart than others, that we're good-looking and better-looking than others. And and we don't even realize how subtle pride can be. We've got to fight our pride, and if we do, we'll become more and more teachable. Look at these verses. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. So it's so clear that pride's going to bring about destruction and problems in our life. But we think if we master things and we accomplish and we become better and more competent and all these things that the world would measure, that we'll be in a better place in life. You actually will be in a worse place because pride keeps you from God. There's a a verse in James, and it's repeated in First Peter and also in Proverbs 3. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the who? He gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but there's one thing that I constantly realize I need, and that's the grace of God. Do you? The grace of God that overlooks sin, that overlooks your stumblings, that overlooks your, your lack of hunger for holiness, that that forgives you for your faults and your regrets and your sin and the stuff you're dealing with now and your, your need for more victory, that grace is what we really need in our life. Grace comes from God for the person who's humble and teachable. He opposes the proud. I was talking with somebody earlier, and we were talking about the birth of a baby. And, and you know, as we were talking, we just said, isn't it interesting how some people apart from realizing the existence of God, can look at the birth of a baby 
and not think of God. Because I've always been a believer, you know, from early on, gave my life to Christ when I was a teenager. Not that I didn't wander off, but I've kind of always had a God concept and understood a, a Christian worldview and never really rejected it. But I'm thinking people who didn't live with that, how would they view that? How, how would they look at the existence of this world or the birth? I mean, I guess they just give all the credit to science or something or just go, yeah, wow, isn't that interesting? <laughs> a baby, go figure. <laughs> Look at that. She whiz. Like, huh. And then they look at everything else that way. And I'm like, well, okay, but to, to realize the God of the universe has set everything in motion that I see, and if I would be humble enough to go to this awesome, holy, majestic, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God, that he will lift me up. But otherwise, that God would oppose me in my life. And when we come to Christ, his grace covers us. And now we're in that right relationship. And now I actually, it's like getting taken out the earplugs. I actually can hear God now. I can hear his word. I can hear his Holy Spirit guiding me according to truth. I can walk in his ways and walk in wisdom. But there's something about our pride that always wants to take us into self-reliance. We, we want to give ourselves credit for our successes. We want to pat ourselves on the back for this accomplishment, or that we aren't as bad as someone else that we look down on. And the Lord would say, no, go the other way. Go completely the other direction. Look at where you are because of God. Look at what he's given you as a grace and as a gift. Look what God has done for you, how he's blessed you, how he keeps giving you his wisdom, how he doesn't hold your sin and your weaknesses, your current ones or your past ones, against you. This is an amazing God. And to draw near to this God humbly, we get to experience more and more of his grace. But if we're honest, it's just really hard. It's hard to learn from others. Because to learn from others would mean they have something to teach me. And oftentimes we go, and if they know that they're teaching me, I feel less than and they probably feel better than me. And what does that point out in our own heart? It points out pride and it points out insecurity. So I want to remind you guys today, you are deeply loved and accepted by God. If you know Christ and you've given your life to Christ and he's forgiven your sin, you are deeply loved and forgiven. And God just every day sings over you, wraps his arms around you. He, he sent his son and Jesus was willing to come down to this earth, leave the glory of heaven, serve humbly, teach humbly, and then give his life humbly on a cross so that you could have this life and acceptance and this identity as a child of God. That's who you are. And if you really square with it every day, my identity will never be shaken. This is who I am to God. He tells me that in his word. I'm being reminded of again today. Here I am, Lord. Then we don't get so thrown when someone's teaching us some, something. We don't think we're getting measured. They might go away with a bigger head and I go away with a smaller head. <laughs> they go away with feeling better than me, I'm less than. No, actually, you're wise when you just learn from others that way. And really, this whole thing is about being wise enough to be teachable before God. But they really do go hand in hand. If you're not teachable with God, you won't be teachable before other people. Because you think it's a competition. Everything's a competition. Uh, my looks compared to their looks. My smarts compared to their smarts. My success compared to theirs. My status compared to theirs. My reputation compared to theirs. Everything's a comparison. You and them, you and them, your family and their family, you and other 
people in the stratosphere of, you know, economics or whatever. Everything's a comparison and a potential threat. And well, what did that mean if, if they feel better and I feel worse? And what if they think they're more of a teacher and I'm just always a learner? I, I, I'm a weak person because I need to learn so much. No, you're a wise person. The scripture says you're growing in wisdom when you're teachable before God. And that'll often show itself in being teachable and open to others. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you learn from your spouse? Oh, it went really silent. <laughs> Sometimes it, that's hard because you think, well, wh what are we fearful of? Well, they'll think they're the boss of me. <laughs> they'll, I don't know. Um, and we get fearful. Wait, do we know that we're deeply loved and accepted by God? And hopefully in this relationship, we're deeply loved and accepted by them. And what they're sharing right now is actually very smart and wise. And I didn't think of that. Or, you know what? I do need to slow down and pray more. Or, you know, there are multiple ways to do something. And there's not just one way meaning the right way, meaning my way. Efficiency is not God. So if there's another way to do something, just because it's different than mine doesn't mean it's worse or better. Actually, that's kind of cool. Wow, the way that, you know, I learn a lot from Julie, the way she responds in situations and with people and her kind of a relational ability and her, the way, and I've told you guys this before, you know, her ability to ask questions and get to the heart of the matter with people, it's captivating to me. People really respond. If you're not ready for a good conversation, don't talk to my wife. Because <laughs> she cares deeply, and when she asks a question, she, she wants the answer because she cares about the answer. Or and she's helping me see something that I... I didn't see, or if I get feedback about a message or something, it's like, that's the best stuff I get. Because she knows me the best, and I know it's coming from love. Are you teachable before your spouse? And I'm not talking about the role as husband and wife. Yeah, the husband is supposed to be the leader in the home. He's supposed to be the leader, sacrificing to the point of death for his wife. So don't get all off on the roles because, guys, we're supposed to die, and we're supposed to give it all to provide or to present our wives holy and spotless before the Lord. That's a huge role, and it's very important that we shepherd our wives, but we're the servant leader, and wives supposed to come alongside and be the partners submitting to and trusting our leadership, and that should make us more humble and more teachable for God because we're the ones that are tasked with the responsibility to lead sacrificially to the point of death. So just to be clear on that. <laughs> but you can submit. We're supposed to submit one to another. That means learning from one another, not demanding our way, not worrying about who's being right. And, and what the score is, that's so opposite the gospel. Jesus took all our wrongs and made us right before the Father. So we don't have to worry about being right before others. We've been made right by Christ. And that should settle our insecurities deep, deep inside. We are deeply loved, deeply accepted. So we can learn from others. And as you start learning from God and learning from others and learning from others, you're going to learn more from God. They really do go hand in hand. We want to think we're maybe humble and teachable and all this, but we look at others and we think we could never have anything to learn from them. They don't make as much money as we do. We could never have anything to learn from them. They're so different than, than, than I am for this reason or that reason. Well, they're, you know, they're not in the same intellectual level. They're, they're homeless. They're in prison. They're an outcast. What could I ever learn? You can learn a lot. Just get closer to them. Look into their eyes. 
Jesus did that. He hung out with people like that, and they, want, they accused him. Can you learn from anyone? Or do you have categories of those you learn from only? That's a good question. I think we can learn from anyone. And it's interesting how the Lord will speak to us through various people at various times in our life if we're open. Sometimes you get these direct downloads from the Holy Spirit and from the Word of God. You're like, wow, God is speaking so directly to me. And other times, he uses an indirect route through a person that lots of times you're not humble enough to learn from. But if you are, all of a sudden, this (laughs) vista of understanding, you can now see. Maybe a blind spot gets opened up and lit up in your life and so on. The sooner we become comfortable with being lifelong learners, the better. The more wise you'll become. And actually, it becomes exponential. When you start learning from one person, you realize, oh, if I could learn from that, I could learn from anyone. Yeah. And then you feel that, you know, people in this particular world that's really similar to yours you can learn from. And this person who has nothing, nothing similar to you at all you can learn from. And this person, you know, that you go, I don't know if I have anything in common from them you can learn from. And sometimes so much more because they're so different. They have such a different story. They have such a different um, appreciation for the love and grace of God for, because of what they particularly have been through. And then God makes this connection. Oh, maybe that's why I listen to their story. Maybe that's why that person's in my life. Maybe that really annoying person at work or in your neighborhood, in your family, whatever. Oh, maybe that's why they're in my life. To teach me something. I can learn something from them. Not just to be the teacher, but to be a recipient of God's wisdom through them. So teachable people have to fight their pride. You have to fight your pride. I have to fight my pride. And someone help me. How often do you think we need to do that? (laughs) I'm going to just assume you're like me. Daily. Your, cry, your pride will, will crouch and just and rise up in your life, and you'll, you'll start comparing and feel threatened or insecure, and you'll feel like you need to position yourself or manipulate, and it's your pride causing that. You'll think you need to sound smarter and do this, and, and I need to avoid them, or now I need to press in, and I need to be bigger than life, and you just, no. You can just be comfortable in your own skin because your skin's loved by God. He loves you just the way you are. So you have to fight it daily. I have to fight it daily. And then you give God all the glory. When you see the lessons come, when you see success come in your life, you don't take the credit. You give God the thanks and you give him the credit. I have a great example of this one. Do you guys watch the Super Bowl? Anybody? The Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. And um, give you a little story, a little backstory. They had a great record going into the last, whatever, five or six games. And their starting quarterback who was having a phenomenal year got injured. Oh, I've got to throw the backup in. There goes our hopes. Yeah, unless it's Nick Foles. And he takes you all the way to the last game of the Super Bowl and wins the Super Bowl, becomes the MVP. Well, here you go. We have an interview with Nick Foles, quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles that just won the Super Bowl. What are the first words out of his mouth? I want to give God all the glory. All the glory goes to my Savior, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What was he doing by saying that? 
I want to make it absolutely clear who the credit, who gets the credit, who gets the glory for this. And it's not about me, and it's not about my performance, and it's not about all the money related to this, what I'm going to get, and notoriety and fame that I'm going to get. It's all about Christ in my life. Now, that didn't totally surprise me because a couple weeks earlier in a playoff win, he gave the credit, all the glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was surprised, though, when they interviewed the head coach of the Eagles, Doug Peterson, and Doug Peterson said at the very start of the interview, I want to give all glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Both these men learned what it meant to be humble. Both of these men, even as players, had coaches in their life. Doug Peterson was an NFL player, so he's been coached his entire life, and he became a coach. And Nick Foles was coached and well-coached and was under a strong Christian man as a player this last year under Doug Peterson. And I just realized these guys are proud of who Christ is, and they'll use the loudest megaphone, the greatest platform that they're given to let others know that it's because of God in my life, not because of my hard training and anything else. It's God's grace in my life. And I thought, wow, is that going to help their stock go up or down? A lot of people would say that's going to that's drop their stock. Well, it might in the world's view, but in the kingdom... Their stock went up huge because <laughs> God uses their life and uses that witness. If we're teachable and we fight our pride, God gives us opportunity to display that he makes a difference in our life. And when the successes come, we'll give glory to God just like those guys did. And if it's a bigger platform, awesome. It's just more opportunity to point back to the one who's taught us so well. And that's our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. And when we live that kind of life, it gets exciting. Because you know what? You know you're alive in Christ. You know you're making a difference for the kingdom. You're not putting in time. You're not just going the easy route. You're not status quo. You're not just trying to pull a paycheck and build your little dream or your little American you know, fantasy of what you need in your life. You're actually just trying to live faithfully before God, and he'll use that every time. Teachable people have to fight their pride. Are we fighting our pride each day? Because humility and teachability go hand in hand. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Second thing is teachable people listen to God's reproof. Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So these verses are really clear too, aren't they? It's just uncomfortable for us to ever feel stupid or clueless or that we have something to learn from someone or for God, from God. It makes us unwise. And God says, if you don't want to be foolish and wise and stupid as you're going through life, just receive my discipline, my reproof, my correction, be teachable. And I'm not making you feel dumb. Actually, I'll keep whispering to you that you're being very wise by asking. And I'll keep giving you the help that you need where you, that you didn't have, and you'll feel blessed in the receiving. So it always feels right when we humble ourselves before God, always. And we can start to really look forward to times of challenge and correction and discipline instead of becoming weary of them like the chapter 3 says, or despise it. We also see these verses in Hebrews 12. You're like, wait a minute, I, I've heard those before, right? 
Hebrews 12, it's a direct quote. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And then he adds a little bit, a couple verses later, in verse 11, he goes, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Fruit is going to happen in your life. If you look to the Lord and you want his reproof and correction, you remain teachable before him, the fruit that's going to come in your life will be the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You'll be coming more like Christ and all the blessing of what that means, all of the spiritual blessings wrapped up in Christ become part of your reality and your enjoyment and the strengthening that you need for what you face that's hard and super difficult. Now you're getting it more and more. The other fruit is for those that hate knowledge and don't choose the fear of the Lord. They get the fruit that's bitter. We see that in Proverbs 1, 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. Their own devices will drag them down. The very things that they are building in their life to give them what they're hoping is going to be satisfaction and fulfillment and joy and I'll finally be happy are the very things that will rob them and destroy them and pull them from God because it's in their pride that they're seeking them. Because they haven't humbly asked, God, I need your wisdom and please correct me and teach me and humble me and, and keep growing me. And as we do that, this peaceful fruit of righteousness comes to us rather than the bitter fruit of fear, regret, anxiety, self-reliance, and other nasty things that don't fill our lives up and they don't bless others around us. We start letting the enemy and lies of this world rob us. If I told you someone's going to rob your house tonight, what are you going to do? If you knew that was true, or potentially, you'd lock the doors. You take action. If you're going to be robbed of the very life of God and his blessing and his direction and his wisdom in your life and your marriage and your relationships and at work and in your whatever, all areas of your life, you'd lock the door. You'd protect against it. And you say, Lord, please keep me humble enough to keep learning, keep hearing from you and making the adjustments. The adjustments, Lord, just keep helping me make the adjustments. I want to stay in the right path. I've been wandering. Here I go again. Adjust me, Lord. You know, it's like GPS, right? You get lost and you pull up the address and it says, what's the word? Reposition, um, recalculating, recalculating. Hopefully you don't keep going in circles and keep hearing that. You just obey what it says. Oh, take a right here on Dunway. Oh, recalculating according to God's wisdom. We're back on the path. We're listening to his reproof. Teachable people listen to God's reproof and they don't fight it. Thus, we won't be in the category of being foolish, stupid, and unwise and clueless. We're actually becoming more and more wise. And we're told in these verses that God does this out of love. He does it from love. Just like any good parent would do. Oh, they're not going to understand. If I take this from them, they're going to get mad. They're going to cry. They're going to pitch a fit. They might say something nasty or do something nasty. And yet, you're the parent who knows, and this isn't right for now. And you're going to take it away, and you'll get through the tears. There'll be a little pain there. But because you love your child, you're going to bring discipline, right? 
because you love him, because God loves us, he corrects us and trains us in righteousness and keeps that process going. And when we wander off, he brings us back through reproof, through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through another individual in your life, through maybe a stranger, someone that you typically push away or push down or overlook in your pride. Now you'll start hearing and the Lord will speak to you all different kinds of ways. Teachable people fight their pride. Teachable people listen to God's reproof. Teachable people have God's understanding and is empowering. Don't you want that? Look at this. Real clear from Proverbs 123. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Anyone in the market for those two blessings? Do you want more of his Holy Spirit? Not your strength, not your background, not your training, not your, you know, your wits and your way of managing life, just God's power through the Holy Spirit to give you an ability to forgive, to give you an ability to be patient, to give you wisdom in your parenting, to help you with integrity at work and then not to lie about it. Don't you want the Holy Spirit's power to bring about those changes? I think everyone will say, yeah. Okay, then when you are reproved by the Lord, turn. Don't fight it. Just turn. Just say, yes, Lord, that's right. What was I doing? What was I thinking? <laughs> I actually wasn't thinking. <laughs> I wasn't thinking biblically. So, Lord, yes, turn me. Reprove me. Have your way with me, Lord. Pour out your spirit upon me. And that's what Paul's talking about when he says, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will point out something. He'll bring direction or a light in an area, maybe a dark area, maybe a, a, a blind spot in your life. And, and you didn't really, it didn't occur to you really before this point how really wrong before God it is. And now it does. And you're like, oh, how did I not even see that? And, and then the enemy will want to condemn you. Go, and now you push the enemy away. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. You just listen to the truth and the light you're receiving from God and the wisdom. And you make the correction. And you get back on the path in that area. And you find the freedom and the joy of walking in the light as he is in the light. He'll teach and direct you out of love. And he'll use the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you to bring about those changes. And then he'll make his words known to you. Do you ever think like, man, I don't get much out of the word of God. Sometimes I read it, I'm confused. I don't really know what God's saying. I'm, I don't understand the direction yet in this area. God just like, boy, if you could just tell me, do I take this job or I don't? Do I... Do I break up this relationship or do I not? Do I, do I go to this college or do I just, if you could just write that on a truck that passes by, that'd be awesome, <laughs> right? Well, he's going to reveal his word to you and his will, but you have to be tender and teachable in his, in his hands. He will reveal his word to you when you need that revelation and knowledge and when it's the perfect time where you actually can hear it. Ephesians 1.17, Paul repeats this. He says, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation, and of revelation and the knowledge of him. It's all wrapped up in Christ. And through the spirit and the word of God, he'll reveal his word and give you the power to live his word. But it doesn't come any other way but if we're humble and teachable before God. And more and more, not a one-time flash in the pan, not I'm panicking, and this is a big issue, God, and this is blowing up, so now I need it, so I'm all ears. Okay, good. But like in all areas, so that you can have training leading up to the crisis. So actually the crisis isn't as much of a crisis. Because you actually kind of have an idea what you should be doing. And you ask a couple other people that know you and love you and love God, and it's affirmed. And you kind of move through what would have destroyed you before 
you've moved through it with a lot of calm and a lot of power in the Holy Spirit. And you're like, that's not like me. Have you ever had one of those? That's awesome. That's not, that's not like typically me. And you're like, yeah, it's Jesus. It's Jesus living in your body through the Holy Spirit, bringing about his character. And then you go, I like that. It's like, I don't know, just thought, thought of Shrek. Waffles. Okay, I like those, right? You go, I want more waffles. I want more of the Holy Spirit speaking to me, me acting in faith, me seeing the peace and the power actually make a difference and it impacted another person. But even if it didn't, that's okay because it impacted me. And that's our focus right now is what God wants to do by teaching us. And then he'll bring it to others. But we got to be teachable before him. Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Where does the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead live? In you if you know Christ. He lives in you. That power that raised him from the grave wants to bring life where there's death right now or darkness. That power will give you the courage to be a servant of others. Do you realize it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to be a servant? Sometimes we think, no, it doesn't. All you do is like crawl around and wash someone's feet. When was the last time you did that? Oh, it doesn't take much to get past yourself and think of someone else. All you literally have to do is get past yourself and think of someone else. That takes the power of God, doesn't it? How often do you do that? I'm not in it for what I'm getting. I want to serve this person. I want to listen to this person. I want to love this person. I'm in it actually for them completely. When you're living your life more and more like that, you'll realize... I'm just empowered by the Spirit because this is not what I'd like choose to do in my flesh. And he's bringing it about. It takes the power that raised Jesus from the grave to raise you up past your selfishness and pride. And same with me. But when it happens, you know it's God. There's no doubt it's God. And you thank him for it. And then you go like, that was awesome. <laughs> I want more. When you start getting hungry for more of God like that, it's pretty awesome. There was a guy named Charles Mully. We just watched this movie the other night. Mully. Long story. Great movie. Just do it on Netflix. Um, incredible story about a, an orphan young man who was orphaned for 10 years in Kenya. And God got a hold of his life. And everything changed. He became very, very, very successful in Kenya. And I won't tell you the whole story. And I want to ruin it. Um, but very wealthy, very influential in the country of Kenya. And um, God spoke to him about reaching back into the world of the orphans. And he started bringing orphans on board into his home, into his family. And it's just the story goes from there. But here's a guy who was always, as he was going through his life, he was learning, learning, learning in these different businesses and finally, God took all of that learning, and he said, now it's going to be used for the kingdom. And what he did through his life, and it's still a ministry. You can look up. He's still alive, still doing the ministry. The movie's called Mully. His name is Charles Mully. And it's fantastic to watch someone so teachable and so open to God and the power of the Holy Spirit through one life and how he was able to bring life and rescue to others in the name of Christ. A phenomenal story. He was given understanding and empowering by God because he was so humble and teachable. He would go out at night, walk the streets, just look for anyone that was orphaned. 
see a baby, just pick them up, take them home. Pretty powerful. That's the kind of understanding I'm talking about. Sometimes we think we get the power and understanding for our goals and our agendas in life. That'd be very self-serving. We should hunger and thirst for God's understanding through his word and through the empowering of his Holy Spirit to make us a more loving and humble servant of the king, period. Nothing to do about your life, your direction, your future, your retirement funds, how you're going to, whatever, take, think you're going to take care of everything. It has to do with, is God, you're all in all, you're receiving wisdom from him because he is an amazing teacher and you know you need it. You want the empowering of the Holy Spirit so you can live the words that he's revealing to you and it actually will show up in humble service to people of any stripe, color, race, religion, language, and anyone around you in your life. And all of a sudden, you'll have the mark of Christ. You'll be pointing people to Jesus more and more. You'll be available for the great work of the empowering spirit that lives in you. You'll be living like the word of God describes because of what Jesus is doing, teaching you. And then I love this last one that we end with. Teachable people won't lead others astray. Proverbs 10, 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. I don't think anyone in this room would want to lead people astray or away from God, right? But we often do because of how we're living our life. But what if we said, no, Lord, I want to remain on your path of life because your path is life-giving. And if I'm on that path, people are watching me and it's bringing some kind of light and life of Christ to their darkness and they're wandering on their path. There's something about the way I'm living that's impacting my spouse and my kids and my neighbors and my schoolmates and my colleagues at work. All through my life, at whatever stage, there's something about how I'm living my life, teachable and humble, listening from God and getting his wisdom and living out that is very, very, very powerful. But to not do that is equally powerful, and it leads other people astray. We want to point people to Christ. We want to be in such, living in such a way that as we're hearing and living out God's wisdom, that they are interested because of the beauty of his wisdom in your life, in my life. Because there's such amazing things happening in your character. The love that you display, not something you quote not a label that you wear as a Christian because of the actual words, the actual actions, the sacrificial life, the actual one, not the one we think about or dream. The actual one is lovely. It looks just like Christ, and that's contagious. What if we live like that more? We are that teachable. Well, the impact is that you'll be pointing people to Christ. You'll be dispelling the false notions of who Christ is and giving them a more accurate picture of who Christ is. That will show up in your conversations. That will show up on your Facebook. That will show up in your texts and your emails. That will show up when you're driving. That will show up when you're in line. That will show up in every arena of your life. And it is powerful. So where in your life do you need to be more teachable? Here's the review. Teachable people fight their pride Listen to God's reproof. Have God's understanding from the word, his empowering from the spirit. 
and won't lead others astray, but lead them to Christ. I think that's enough for today. What do you think? Now the challenge is to live what we've just heard. Then we know we've actually learned it if we start living it, and we need his help. So we're going to pray right now. Jason's going to come out with Brent, and they're going to lead us in a song, Lord, I Need You, and we surely do. And we're going to have an offering, which is part of our worship. So we're going to do all that, but a time now just to pour your heart out to God. You ready? Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, so grateful for your love that you created us in your image to know you and delight ourselves in you. Thank you for sending your son to forgive us of our pride. Forgive us of our sin, our waywardness from you. Thank you, Jesus, taking that penalty onto yourself so I could be forgiven and free. Can you thank him right now that you're forgiven and free? You're deeply loved and accepted. You have an identity in Christ that will never change. He will sustain you to the end. He will return for you. You'll be with him for all eternity. Thank you, God. Abba, Father, Daddy, thank you for loving me that much that I could be your son or your daughter. And thank you, Lord, that you just ask us to be humble and teachable so that you can bring wisdom and blessing and victory into our lives so that we can be humble, servants, empowered by your Spirit to help point other people to you. To be the biggest possible blessing we could be to all we know. Keep teaching us, Lord. Forgive me for my pride. Can you tell them that? Forgive me, God. My pride's so huge. It's so deep. It infects so much of who I am. Please root it out, Lord. Forgive me. Pour your grace on me. Humble me. You draw close to the contrite in spirit and the humble in heart. God, I want to be that. Thank you for your incredible love. Thank you that you hold my future and you want me to experience the joy of more fruit for you, not self-focused living. So thank you, God, that's coming because I desire it. Please make that happen in my life. Thanks for teaching me today, Lord. May I always grow in being teachable before you and before others. Lord, I need you.